This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It's normally your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks, but Tim and Nick are not here tonight, so it's going to be just oops, all Red Wings. So we cover everything regarding both teams, usually in regards to trades, player acquisitions, um, injuries, stuff like that, all sorts of major news with the club. I'm your host for tonight, Jordan Linscott, and I'm joined by my co-host, David Arnhouse. Everybody, it's going to be an all-winging show tonight. It's terrible, terrible news what happened to Nick and Tim tonight, you know. Both of them, like, what are the chances? Go to open their mailboxes, and what do you know? Blood, you know, just basset hound-sized skunks just sitting right in the mailbox, just sprayed them right in the face. Tomato juice baths all day. Like, it's terrible, terrible news. I'm pretty sure we could, you could, like, smell the skunk through the screen. Like, it was that bad. Yeah, when, they, when they texted me, they were just sent me a picture of a bunch of Campbell's tomato soups, and I thought it was an Andy Warhol painting about to happen. But nope, skunk bath. But in all seriousness, this is your place for all things Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks normally. But it's an all-Red Wings show tonight because, like I said, Tim and Nick aren't here, so you're getting me and David tonight. But, guys, the Wings actually have some big news to talk about. Um, the first being that the Red Wings waved to Jacob Verana, um, a move that I think nobody saw coming except for the guy making the decision, Steve Eisenman. Tyler Bertuzzi is slated to come back within the next week. Zadina is expected to come back within the next, I think, two weeks. Robbie Fabley made his NHL return this week, and spoiler alert, looked really good. Um, Elmer Soderblom got sent to the AHL in that same week, and then also Derek Lalonde separated Moritz Sider and Ben Sherratt, and Moritz Sider has looked so much better. Also, We've got to talk about it. Dylan Larkin had this interview this week where he was talking to, uh, who was it? Was it, was it Paul Bissonette? I think was the one who asked him, or am I thinking of somebody else? I forget which one it was. But anyway, Dylan Larkin got asked about his contract with the Detroit Red Wings, you know, moving forward. We're going to talk about that a little bit because that has been something that people have been talking about, you know, with the fact that the season there's not really a ton of time left and we still don't know for sure like what his next contract's going to look like. And I kind of just want to talk about that for a second, because even though Dylan Larkin is not, you know, a Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon level player, he's absolutely a player who this team is going to need for a rebuild or to leave their rebuild and get back to the Stanley cup playoffs and have like deep playoff runs again. So I do want to talk about just a, what we need to be looking at for his upcoming contract this off season. And just also, again, what his response kind of means. And then also, I do want to talk about the Red Wings special teams because they have not been good as of late, and they've been costing the Wings games. We're going to talk about that in the flashback segment of this uh, portion of the podcast because, again, it's they started out fine. They actually started out really good this season. Oh, and yeah. as of late, they have been slipping, and it's apparent that the special teams at this point are actually costing them games at this point. It's not just they were bad one game. It's... It's been a continually like noticeable thing that you can look at and say the power play is not clicking. The penalty kill 
keeps giving up goals. And those little things that keep happening are costing the Wings meaningful games right now. Mm-hmm. For sure. So there's a lot to talk about with the Wings this week. Let's start on just a, I want to say like a really great note. Robbie Fabry came back to the NHL for the Detroit Red Wings this week. And for anyone who didn't know, he was off. He tore his ACL. I think it was almost a year ago at this point. March. It's almost a year ago. Almost. Yeah. He's playing back with the Red Wings and man, he looked actually really solid. His first game back. Can can we just say he looked fabulous? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he had the one goal. What was it? Was it the empty net that he had? No, he had a or real no, goal. No, he didn't have the empty netter. He had the normal goal, but like aside from that, played very physical. Was not there afraid to get two big hits. Like Robbie Fabry looked like he perfectly stepped right back into the NHL, even though he's been off for almost a year. Mm-hmm. I I think this is great. Like it's a hard story not to root for, right? Like a guy who has had several injuries of the same kind constantly derailing his career. And he comes back and he looks better than ever. And they played like that uh, hype, like emotional comeback rehab video, like the day of the game where you were just like, man, I'm all in on Fabry. Like he's, he's worked his butt off to come back. He has, and he looked like he hasn't even missed the step. I didn't see any rust on him, and he he didn't have any like warm up rehab games with the Griffins, from what I remember. Did he? No, he didn't. He, he just, literally came straight back. God, he's like Superman. He just came right back. He absorbed the sun, and just he's back. It's interesting because like Robbie Fabry's a player who I think you kind of have to look at for secondary scoring with this team. I. You obviously want him to be able to make that transition to center. They, I think the Wings tried it, and it didn't really go the, the way that they wanted. And sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Sometimes a winger cannot make the transition to center. But as a winger, I think that he's a perfectly solid, you know, second-line winger on this club. And he he looked like it on that game that he came back. Yeah. He looked, like like we said, looked like he hasn't missed a step. He was physical when you and like when he delivered those hits i kept getting like Ooh, don't don't hurt yourself because like i've torn my acl it's it sucks like i'll be playing on the floor with my kiddo and i feel like still numb tingles in some parts of my knee that may never go away but hey he's done it twice now and he looks like he hasn't missed a step which is just phenomenal and i think he's a piece we want to keep around like it's 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 crazy because we have so much we are stacked on offense right now and it's like who moves who goes and i don't know i mean the coaching staff kind of answered it like elmer soderblom ended up getting sent to the ahl this week because fabry came back and we were kind of talking about this before the show you know robbie fabry has speed skill he can play a physical game and like he's just he's been around the nhl longer whereas (laughs) elmer soderblom he has the physicality to play at the NHL level, but there's still stuff that he can learn at the AHL level, even though he's competent enough to play at, you know, the top level in the world, the NHL, mm-hmm. but him going to grand Rapids is not the worst thing in the world for him. Like he's literally going to be able to step in there and be a productive player and continue to get high quality reps while he continues to develop skills like his skating, like some of his decision-making, like, 
the size is already there for him. We see that. We actually saw the first game of the season when he was just keeping everybody off. At this point, I really think Soderblom going to the AHL isn't a demotion. It's more of this is a chance to hone skills yep. that you're not going to get to hone at the NHL level. Yep. Like we've seen his hands. We've seen he does have silky smooth hands when he can use them. I think, like you said earlier, he relies a lot on his size, which is not a bad thing. He's a big man. But if he can use his size and then harness the speed he has, work on his shooting abilities some more, and work on his like you know playmaking abilities, he will be a force to be reckoned with. It, like that's the other thing is like, I mean, we're talking about Grand Rapids, so I kind of feel like we have to like just keep talking about the players who the Wings have who are playing for Grand Rapids. I mean, Alex Nedeljevic is playing down there. He's looked a lot better since he made the transition from the NHL to the AHL. And, yep. You know, goalies are weird, right? Sometimes you can't get in that mental funk because a goalie, you make one or two mistakes, those goals go in the back of your net, and that completely changes how you're feeling the next day. Mm-hmm. You you can go to a level like the AHL if you're a pro and you're not facing as many of like the super dangerous shots that you will at the NHL level where every mistake that you make, you can absolutely get punished for that. Yep. And Jacob Verona, like he's been playing at the Grand Rapids, he's been playing at the Grand Rapids Griffins. And spoiler alert, we talked about this earlier. He got waived in order to stay with the Grand Rapids Griffins after a conditioning stint. I'm not going to sit here and speculate why he got waived because I think that's irresponsible. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes with him. I don't think it's just, I don't think it's a good look to make up rumors about somebody who's going through something, which is obviously Mm -hmm. what the player assistance program is for. Yep. I don't think it does anybody any good to speculate why he got waived, but he got waived. And for everyone who was freaking out, I think there were, what, three teams in the entire NHL who actually could absorb his, what, almost $6 million cap hit? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you why he got waived. And like I said, we don't know what's going on with him, and we hope he's doing better. He looks like he is from the pictures we've seen of him, you know, in the back of the arena, kicking a soccer ball with teammates. But he played one game this season. He, he had a good stat that game. But he's been out ever since, and he's probably a little bit rusty from everything that's going on personally, mentally, physically, everything. And this was a way for us to let him continue to get himself back on track without having to put the pressure of playing in Detroit. And like you said, there was maybe three teams that could absorb that. And I think Eisen was banking on none of those three teams biting because of you know, him being out for so long, the mental rustness, the physical rustness, all that. And I think this is a good thing. When, when people were on Twitter freaking out, like, oh, my God, they waved him. Wow, what a fail. Like, journalists like Ryan Hanna and others, no offense to them. They were like, well, I don't, I'm so confused. And I, I wasn't so confused. Like, I, I figured this was why. And I... I'm not going to say I was 100% confident, but I was fairly confident. I'm like, he's staying. Like, he's not leaving. Iserman knows what he's doing. Like, when you, when we say we trust the Iser plan, this is part of it. And, you know, hiccups happen, like, you know, Verona being out on the player wellness program, which is fine. 
power to him for getting help and, you know, working on himself before the team, because your, your mental health, your family, all that stuff comes first. Sports are sports. Like I could go on a rant about guys like Skip Bayless and their DeMar Hamlin comments, but I'm not going to, because they're not worth it. Skip Bayless isn't worth any of that because he's trash. Um, But your health comes first. And I think Eisenman was, like I said, understanding and saying, we want to keep you. You need more development to get yourself back to where you know you could be. And I think the Griffins are going to be great for him to do that. He'll be back in the wing wheel sooner than we think. And that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of people also aren't really realizing, like, Jacob Verona, I think he's only on that contract through, what is it, next year? Or is it the year after? But, like, either way, this is not some long-term, like, eight-year, $8 million contract that just got signed last year. Like, this is a very short-term contract that Jacob Verona's on. And for people to be freaking out about this guy playing in Grand Rapids, it's from the get-go, they said this is a conditioning stint to get him back used to playing. Mm -hmm. It's a conditioning stint. They didn't say that this is going to be a long-term plan where it's – you know, they've got a player who they signed a contract to has not produced at the NHL level at all. This is a player who has had basically a ton of rust from being out. What, what was he almost out three months before he finally got to come back and play. And that doesn't even include the break over the summer. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a player who hasn't played for realistically almost six months, just got back. There's going to be an adjustment period there. I don't know about you, David, but I don't take six months off from the gym, walk in and expect to be hitting my PRs already. Like it just, it doesn't happen. No. Yeah. He's, he's got this year and next year. He's a UFA in 24, 25. Like I don't get why people are freaking out about this either. And like Steve like, Eiserman, I got to say this. He's probably got like some of the, the crate like he's got to have like the biggest balls for waving a, almost six million dollar player like he does. the amount of just the amount of fortitude he had to have to do that and just be like yeah i bet no one's grabbing him no one's gonna bite because they're scared of steve eiser and <laughs> he'll call them up what do you think you're doing cancel it now and like i think we have less to be worried about whereas you look over at the guys who traded us for Anna, the Capitals just healthy scratched Mantha. Yeah, like he, he got sent to was it the fourth line down there, and I didn't read that he got scratched. But if he did get scratched, it again, what are people freaking out about? Like you've got two players who got traded for each other, nearly identical cap hits, mm-hmm. and neither one of them is playing at the NHL right now. Or if they are playing, it's a very limited role. Yeah, they healthy scratched him. I'm looking at it on Reddit right now. It blows my mind that people were freaking out over this. Like, I wasn't happy that, like, I'll admit, I was not happy that Jacob Verona got waived because there oh, was a slight not. chance that one of those three teams would have grabbed him. But it was not like, it wasn't like Jacob Verona was making a million dollars a year for the next four years. And Steve Eisman said, who? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't happy in the sense that I'm like, oh, I hope like Verona doesn't get like, down about this but i'm sure like he had a conversation with eisman with lalone and seeing the picture of him you know kicking the soccer ball with ned i think he's 
I think he's good. I hope. Like, you can never tell someone's, you know, mental health just by them smiling, but I hope he's all right. And I think Grand Rapids, like, I've been to Griffins games. Our fans are fun there. I mean, the Griffins jerseys are pretty sick, too. Um, so I'm sure he's going to have a good time, you know, rocking it at some AHL netminders and getting that confidence up, getting that skill level back up. And he'll be back on the top, you know, six pairing before we know it. Um, I mean, we're talking about players who haven't been playing with the club. Let's move to players that are actually looking to be joining the club again within, you know, the foreseeable two weeks or so. Tyler Bertuzzi and Philip Zedina are both slated to be playing back with the Red Wings within the next two weeks. Bertuzzi is already practicing again on the top line. And again, there's the weird hand injuries kind of set him back a little bit, but he's stepping yep. right back into the top <clears throat> line. If that's the kind of like the Bertuzzi's, <laughs> Bertuzzi's in the lineup tomorrow, according to Coach Lalonde. Like, that's awesome. If, if Bertuzzi really does step right back into this lineup as a top line player, I feel like we kind of have to have like a real question, David. Like, Will Steve Eisman be comfortable trading him this, you know, potential trade deadline and just giving him a chance to go potentially have success somewhere else and not come back? Do you think Eisman holds on to him and just says, all right, we're going to lock you in before the deadline. That way, you know, you have a place here. God, I don't know. Like, it's the complete opposite for me. Like, I'm confident Dylan Larkin isn't going anywhere, like 100%. Like the chick, the spit and chicklets thing that we're going to talk about where they're like asking that question. And of course he's not going to be like, oh, they, yeah, we got this. I'm like, you're not talking about your contracts like that. That's like, that's a private conversation between you and management. But like Bertuzzi's the one that can, that just, I'm like Benoit Blanc over here. Like, I don't know, but it compels me. <laughs> like, does he want to stay? He's come, he's going to be a free agent. How much is he going to cost, especially with his injuries? Like, that's a plus there. Like, you've been out a lot this year. Like, we can't pay you this much. Um, But at the same time, he starts playing well right now, right before the deadline. There's teams that could use a player like Bertuzzi. What are they going to be willing to give up? And then that brings the question of, what what are we at the deadline? Are we buyers or resellers are we somewhere in between what is going on (laughs) i it is it's a really hard question to look at and bertuzzi's a productive player we all know that like we've seen time and time again how when tyler bertuzzi is on his game he is cash money just fantastic but it is, it's a hard question to answer because Detroit is really in a, like a full on, like, we don't know yet a hundred percent where we're at in this rebuild because they're, they're close. Like they're, they're able to hang with teams that are in the playoff contention. They're not able to beat them, but they're able to hang with those teams. And then they beat mm-hmm. just about every other team that they're expected to beat minus the occasional meltdown game. But yep. almost every team in the NHL has those games where, They'll lose to a team they should not have lost to at all. Yep. And I think that is something that, like, they're going to have to really look at with Tyler Bertuzzi coming back. And that doesn't, again, even talk about, you know, like, what's this team going to look like when Philip Zadina comes back either? Because Zadina's expected to come back soon. I mean, we've, 
I've been a really firm like defender of Philip Sedina this entire time we've done this show because I think that when you look at advanced analytics, he's better than the score sheet tells you. Mm-hmm. A lot of people look at just strictly goals, assists, plus minus, and say he's not that great of a player. When you look at Corsi, it tells you a very different story for him. It really points more towards he's just been very unlucky. The goalie's at the right place at the right time with him. That's the thing. Like, does like Derek Lalonde is not stupid. Steve Eiserman's not stupid. Is he fine letting somebody like Bertuzzi walk at free agency to another team if he really has, or sorry, get traded before free agency and potentially risk being happy somewhere else if he has that sort of faith in Philip Zadina, if he has that sort of faith in Jonathan Bergeron? It's a so, hard question to ask. It is. So let me let me pose the question to you. What would you do? I feel like you got to trade. Like they've got to be like giving him like this time to showcase and get ready for a trade, right? Because like he's UFA at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and Detroit could be a playoff team, but they're not one hundred percent. They're in it right now. And if I'm Steve Eisman, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be comfortable holding on to an asset like that, that I'm about to be able to lose for literally no return when the Mm -hmm. season ends. So my question to you is hypothetically Bertuzzi comes back and is playing like Bertuzzi. Mm -hmm. What do you think we can get for Bertuzzi? I mean, the discussion, like if he looks like, you know, 30 goal scorer, Tyler Bertuzzi, you're looking at a first round draft pick. Plus those play like, a first round draft pick and probably a third or a fourth. And then a, maybe a middle prospect somewhere. Players like Tyler Bertuzzi do not grow on trees. Like gritty power forwards who can literally play all throughout your lineup. They don't grow on trees at all in the NHL. It's just going to be hard to replace his ability. Like his grittiness, especially he's the kind of player that, you know, will find that goal by any means. And we, we need a guy like that. It's a hard situation to be in, though. And like, I don't envy Steve Eisman for it at all. I think Eisman's cool as a cucumber. He knows what he's doing. I think there's no stress. He's like, hey, we trade him, we trade him. I got, I got plans. He probably has like different folders on his desk. One folder is like keeping Bertuzzi. One folder is trading Bertuzzi. One folder is call up Kirby Doc and ask him about if he still smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Just for fun. Um, we can move on to another topic I want to talk about because I mean, we were just talking about Dylan Larkin and, and his contract coming up this off season. And we're going to talk about it before, you know, the off season even starts again, but it was brought up this week on, you know, actual broadcast. So we have to talk about it at this point, right? Yeah. Dylan Larkin's not on contract for the next year with the Red Wings. And I liked his answer when they asked him, you know, what's up with your contract? Like you still don't have one for next year. Do you think you're going to be in Detroit? He said, well, I mean, I really hope to be, he said, uh, he said, I enjoy playing in the NHL and Steve Eisman would not appoint somebody to be the captain of a team when they're only planning to be there for two years. I, I really think that Steve Eisman and Dylan Larkin have had extensive conversations about mm-hmm. the direction this club's heading, what he thinks a very realistic timeline would look like. 
And mm -hmm. what the contract that he'll be looking at will be potentially looking like. I mean, right now, Dylan Larkin looks like he's probably going to be projecting it on like on like a true fair market value contract. He'd probably be about a nine million ish, maybe nine and a half million dollar player. Just he's again, he's not Nathan McKinnon. He's not, you know, Austin Matthews level player, but he is that tier right underneath those guys who are great elite level players, just not bona fide superstars. Yep. Hey, look, so I'm looking at, I'm on cap friendly right now. So he's currently making about six. He's the highest paid player in our team. Mm -hmm. The next guy under him is Andrew cop at 5.6. If I go to a team like Toronto and awesome Matthews is at 11.6. Yes. If we are to rank them, Austin Matthews would be an S tier player. I think Dylan Larkin be an A tier player. I could see him making between 8.5 and 9 just because I think he doesn't want to go higher because that could hurt the team. And Dylan Larkin is the captain of the Detroit Red Wings, his hometown club. He wants to win a cup for this club. He has what's considered probably the greatest captain in our history as his general manager, Steve Eisman, a guy he probably idolized as a kid. He and Eisman are going to work out the best possible deal to build this team to be a future cup contender. He's going to get paid, but he's not going to be getting paid your Matthews type money, your McDavid type money. He's going to be getting paid superstar captain, don't market money. Like this thing is like if if it comes out, you know, in the next couple of weeks, Dylan Larkin's going to re up for like nine million dollars a year for the next eight years. I think that's a perfectly fair contract given a the track record you've got with him because it's not he had a hot year and you're banking on just that one year of production. It's throughout his entire career, except for like I think there was one year he was only made, he only had like fifty <laughs> points. Dylan Larkin's been right around that 80 point mark level. Like those guys, at least in today's NHL, that fair market is about $9 million for those players. Yep. And again, you look around the league, a lot of the contenders and the big players who are playing on those clubs who've had real continued success. A lot of those players are on semi team friendly deals. Like it's, not all mm -hmm. your superstars on like the cup contenders are making high end money. I mean, it's it's very rare that you see a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs where you see multiple guys <clears throat> making ten million dollars or more a year. Yep. I was looking at cat friendly and seeing who's up there. So like Alexander Barkov from Florida is making ten million a year. They're around the same age, play the same position. Um, that's another team that has let's go to the Rangers. Logan Couture is a good comparable to him, actually, from the San Jose Sharks. I think Couture is like eight years older, but yeah, they're comparable. But I mean, players. in terms of like point totals and stuff like that, that yeah, you're gonna yeah, expect yeah. every so year. San Jose, San Jose, I just saw you. There you are. Couture is making. Uh, eight million a year, and like I think eight or somewhere between eight and nine million dollars for Dylan Larkin is a perfectly fair ask. I would say he's going to be making, in my opinion, 
8.75 million okay. a year is my guesstimate. And the thing is, is like, even if he does get that, like fans can't be mad at a player wanting to make fair market value. At the end of the day, they can't be mad at a player wanting to make fair market value mm-hmm. because of the fact that you're, you're dedicating to yourself to a team. You're not playing the free agent market. You're, you're willing to stick it out with the club that drafted you and give them sort of like a, Hey, I'm going to give you a little leeway. And eight years to get to a cup contention spot is quite a long time in the NHL. You're talking potentially another full-blown rebuild in eight years, which I don't think that uh, Detroit Red Wings are going to do, but that's how long a full-blown rebuild will last. Mm -hmm. Um, We're kind of talking about, you know, like what the Wings are looking at point-wise. I do... I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things we, we needed to bring up the standings if we're talking about, you know, contracts like that in the future, where this team's going to be looking at. Because we were just talking about, you know, what does this team look like in several years, probably under Steve Eisen's plan. Mm-hmm. They're slipping through the standings right now. And I think a large part, had a bit of a drop, correct? I think the Red Wings really need to take a look at their special teams during these next couple of weeks. I, I get that this last what three or four games they played basically all teams that you expect to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. You've got the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that by all measure, just purely based on offense looks like they're going to be there. You've got Mm -hmm. a team in the New Jersey devils who really went on a heater this year. Mm -hmm. You've got the Florida Panthers. They were, the game we beat them in earlier this year, they were chanting to fire their coach, and that was the game right after that. They went on that, like, win streak. Like, they they played the Florida Panthers this week, a team who, again, is not – like, they're not as strong as they've been in years past, but they're still very much a, a capable club, like a team that can win any given game. Yep. Before that, like, I'm looking at their schedule. You've got – the Washington Capitals, a team who they've still got Alex Ovechkin, they've still got Evgeny Kuznetsov, they've got Dmitry Orlov, like, and uh, Backstrom is healthy again. Like the team is, it's still the core of the Capitals. Mm-hmm. It just this team, it it's weird because like five on five, I feel like the Wings and at least for the most part, have looked really good at five-on-five hockey this past, you know, I would say, honestly, month. They just can't seem to convert very highly on five at five-on-five, which is fine as long as your special teams can make up for it. The problem is the Wings' special teams have not been good. Nope. The power play, uh, power play is super predictable, and the penalty kill has looked just awful. They got to figure something out because it's just not been clicking lately. We got to change things up, spice things up a bit. I think maybe with Bertuzzi coming back and Fabry back now, I think we can start changing things up and get things better. I hope. I mean, my thing is this is <clears throat> we're obviously going to get Fabry back. We're going to have Bertuzzi back soon. Zidina coming back, you know, potentially two weeks from now. That is going to change the tools that they have to work with on their power play. So I get it. You're probably not going to see guys like Rasmussen or Valeno playing those spots they've been playing in the power play. They're probably going to give them back to those players because just generally speaking, track record, Fabry is a power play guy who's produced a lot on the power play. 
Mm-hmm. Zadina is a great puck facilitator. I mean, you look at the advanced analytics, and I, I, I just said this a second ago, but when you take goals and assists off the score sheet and look at actually meaningful like offense he's producing, he's producing some of the most, probably some of the best offense on this team. He like he's a, consist, a consistent top three course player on this team. You have to imagine they're putting him on one of the power play units. Do you think that the power play gets that much better when these guys come back? Only if they really focus on it. Like, they have to know their power play stats aren't good. And they have to take a long look and be like, okay, what are we doing wrong? What's missing? And it could be something on the lines of, okay, maybe we just need to spice it up. We got to get different people on those lines. And now that we have people coming back healthy, we practice them on those lines change things up and see if that helps. If that fails, change the strategy. What kind of strategy can we have? Can we do like umbrella pattern shapes, things like that? Just, we got to figure something out. My opinion is like, I honestly think the wings need to be trying to go for the gritty goals more. That's really what I think they should be doing. You've got big guys like Michael Rasmussen who can play net front You've, I mean, well, before he went to the AHL, you had Soderblom who could play like a net front presence because he's just so big. Nobody can shove him off. I yep. really think that that's an element that the wing should be looking to potentially get more out of it. If you can yeah. screen the goalie more often, you're going to get more chances that the goalie's going to potentially miss your shots coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, look back at the wings of the old, like, you know, our cup runs, all those playoffs. What was one of our best strategies, like, especially with the power play? putting big body Thomas Holmstrom or Johan Franzen in front of the net. Bertuzzi's good at doing that. He's not a big body, but he's good at doing that and getting in the goalie's way. We got to work on that too. But like the wings have like, I do feel like, like when this wings lineup is fully healthy, I really want to see what the power play looks like. If it doesn't improve for some reason at that point, I think that's a sign that the NHL has, or the rest of the NHL has figured out what the wings are doing on their power play. They're going to have to make some major changes somewhere. That still doesn't answer the question of what they're doing with the penalty kill, unfortunately, because, well, it's not been good recently at all. I mean, it was weird because like they started this year, one of the best penalty kills in the league. And now it seems like they're just constantly giving up these goals. Like no, nobody can really look at that penalty kill in my opinion and say, I like what I'm seeing. I mean, Billy Huso has been really good this season. Even he though, cannot be asked to constantly bail out a penalty kill that is giving quality chances away. Yep. No goalie can. Got to study the tape on both ends. What are the top teams doing on their power play that, netting them power play goals how do they run their power play we gotta evolve we gotta change penalty kill power play both Um, we can move on to the flashback segment if you are comfortable with it david so during the segment of the show we talk about the week that was for uh the nhl clubs that we cover um since it's a wings only show we're going to be talking about the wings obviously um so the wings they had what was it three games this week yes three games they played Yep, they played against the uh, the New Jersey Devils on uh, Wednesday. They played against the Panthers on Friday, and then they played against the Maple Leafs on Saturday. 
all three games were losses and mm-hmm. we were just talking about this, but I honestly feel like special teams cost us these games. The yep. Panthers game, I actually thought the Detroit was the better team overall. And the only reason they lost is because Sergey Bobrovsky played like a $10 million goalie. God, he has them every so often, you know. <laughs> the Toronto, Finds ways to hurt us. The Toronto game, I really liked what Detroit showed the first period. Like it literally looked like the Detroit Red Wings versus whoever they fa- they found in the stands. And then it just seemed like they took the gas off it or the foot off the gas that game and everything mm-hmm. started to fall apart. Yep. The Devils game was the same way. They just kept giving up like these weird chances and they never bounced back. I don't know. Like I was kind of disappointed by this week. Just it was. It was we knew it was going to be a hard week, but there was just some type of I don't think they were unmotivated. I just think we got outplayed. And we got into our old ways of kind of shutting down and not being able to do anything against these teams. Um, Hopefully this little break they've had has been able to help them kind of work as we should. We're playing Winnipeg tomorrow and Winnipeg isn't, you know, the best they're a team we could beat. I mean, they're 26 and 13, so they have had a good season. But I feel like they're a beatable team. I mean, and like that's thing is like, I mean, I guess we'll kind of talk about this as well, like the week coming up. I mean, looking at the wing schedule for this upcoming week, they're going to play Liz, yeah, Winnipeg tomorrow. They're going to play the Maple Leafs on Thursday, and then they're going to play <laughs> the Blue Jackets on uh, on Saturday. We got to beat the Blue Jackets out of all those teams. The Blue Jackets better be a W. If it's not, I really question what's going to be happening in Detroit. Like something's going to have to change if they if they go on like a six or seven game losing streak. And mm-hmm. if they look good at five on five and they just barely lose some of these games, okay, fine, I get it. Sometimes puck luck just is not your thing, but if they have you know, or if they keep having these five one. 6-1 games against these teams that they should be able to at least maybe not beat but hang with. I think that's got to start raising some red flags for what's going on with this team. Just like I said, the structure with like the power play, the penalty kill, and just sort of what they're doing at five on five that's not generating the chances that you need to get goals. Because I think overall, the Wings have actually been decent this year at five on five. It Again, the yeah. special teams recently have just been what's costing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, just looking at the schedule, though, I do think the Jets are beatable. I want, even if they don't beat the Maple Leafs on Thursday, I want to see them not lose 4-1. Yeah, make it competitive this time. Yes, make it competitive this time. Like, even if they lose 4-3, okay, fine. At least you only lost by one. And as long as the even strength looks good and the power play or penalty kill looks better. Hell, I'll take a 4-2 game with an empty netter. Like... The Blue Jackets, the Blue Jackets, that better be a W in that column. If it's not, I don't know what to tell you. It's going to because the Jackets are not good. No, they are not. I mean, I don't know if technically it counts toward or counts this next week, but they're going to have a game versus the Avalanche on Monday at like weirdly enough three o'clock in the afternoon. 
Oh, God. Why? I don't know why the NHL would put a game on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, especially an old-school rivalry game like Detroit and Colorado, but... That's... Okay. I don't like, I don't like that. Like, I'm... So, what's Colorado? Three hours behind uh, Detroit? So, it's like playing a noon game on a Monday. Why? You you can you can sell that on a Sunday. You can't sell it on a Monday when everyone is at work or and everyone is at school. Yeah, that's a little messed up. Like people are working, and then on Cal in Colorado, it's what one o'clock, two o'clock. Yeah, it it would be like noon or one o'clock in Colorado. Like literally, everyone <laughs> is at work or in school. <laughs> like if you catch a kid at that game, they skipped school. You're going to have principals and company bosses just watching the game being like, there he is. There's, there's Billy. He's skipping. Bruno, that is a weird game time to pick for a game on a Monday. Like I said, I get it on a Saturday or I get it on a Sunday, not during the middle of the week. Oh, granted, hold on. No, Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so that's why. Okay, that, okay, that does make more sense. I was going like, to say, who like, plans a game at I'm noon? like, wait a minute. I'm thinking, I'm like, wait, it's a three-day weekend because, oh, Martin Luther King Day. So, still, hockey, okay. All right, then never mind. Kids aren't cutting <laughs> school to be there. But I had to pause for a second. I'm like, wait, what day? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Good we caught that. But yeah, like that's going to be the week coming up for this world. I'm Let's just talk the Colorado game. It's good. It that for Colorado's sake, that better be a L for Detroit. I don't know how Detroit beats the Colorado Avalanche with how stacked the Avs still are. I mean, I'd be happy if we did. Oh, I'd be thrilled if we beat the Colorado Avalanche, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yep. Yeah, that looks like that's going to be the week that's coming up. Um, I don't have anything else on the docket for the show if you do, David. I do not. All right. Then we'll go ahead and just close this out then. Um, if you're still watching or listening to the show, we appreciate you guys giving us a check. Um, basically, this is a podcast. It's by fans for fans. There's no corporate sponsorship or anything like that. So you got all the raw takes. You got all the funny moments. No one has to be super professional on the show, despite how much some of us try. You really get just like fan discussion when it comes to both of these clubs. And we really appreciate everyone who tunes in and like checks the show out because at the end of the day, we do this for you guys. We all enjoy watching hockey, but this is for you guys to really enjoy. So feel free to give us a like, follow, share, whatever the social media currency is of choice on the platform you found us on because we're all over the place. We're on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, we're on uh, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the social media spheres. Google Feel free circles. To give us Google circles. I remember Google they were Plus. trying to push that as the thing. God, I had a circle with like two people in it. <laughs> I think that we were the only people on it. <laughs> but yeah, we're all over the internet and the social media sphere. So feel free to give us a check out. And as always, for your host, Jordan Scott, and for my co-host, David Barnhouse, this has been another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. We will check you guys all back here next time. And in the meantime, stay safe, take care of yourself, and we'll catch you later. Watch out for skunks. Bye, friends. <laughs>